Y'all, my friends Howard and Jessica of Plotting Through the Presidents have just started their new season, and you need to go check it out. The first episode is called The John Adams Diet. And no, before you get any ideas, this ain't a health podcast based on the eating habits of our nation's leaders. It is a deeply researched, albeit humorous, storytelling show that explores the lesser-known tales of the early presidents, the founders, and even their families. From the real reason Alexander Hamilton and John Adams hated each other, to the truth behind Ben Franklin's naughty reputation. They've even covered stuff as wild as the story of John Quincy Adams and the Mole People, to Winston Churchill's nude White House encounter with the ghost of Abraham Lincoln. And of course, the Bell Witch makes an appearance when they're talking about old hickory. So y'all, go follow Plotting Through the Presidents to plot along with Howard and Jess, and check out plodpod.com for links to your favorite podcast app, and of course, to dive into their past bingeable seasons. That's plodpod.com. Monsters are as old as humanity itself. Monsters embody our fears. Yet, they help us define the boundaries of what it means to be human. We know most monsters aren't real. Yet we can use monsters to learn about reality, psychology, biology, folklore, literature, critical thinking. We're on a journey to learn about the world through the lens of monsters. And we hope you'll come along with us. Subscribe at monstertalk.org. Southern Gothic is a podcast that explores the history behind some of the American South's darkest days, greatest mysteries, and most chilling ghost stories. Gadsby's Tavern is located on North Royal Street in Old Town, Alexandria, Virginia, and has been in operation for over two centuries. It holds a significant place in American history as it once served as a hub for the social, political, and economic life of this bustling port city. And due to Alexandria's proximity to the brand new nation's capital, it was frequented by some of the United States' first leaders. Today, the Gadsby's Tavern Museum consists of two conjoined red brick buildings, the first of which having been built by Maryland native and entrepreneur John Wise in 1785. It's a two-story Georgian colonial-style structure that he operated under the name City Tavern. This establishment was so successful, though, that by 1792, Wise started construction on a second building, a four-story tall structure that offered 14 hotel rooms, with coal-burning fireplaces, several dining rooms, and an elaborate ballroom. Then, by 1796, as the post-revolutionary war economy began to boom, Wise leased the city tavern to a young businessman named John Gadsby, who quickly turned the establishment to the center of political and social life for Alexandria furnishing it with luxury items and hosting exquisite balls and musical performances that catered to the elite. 
Multiple presidents visited the City Tavern over the years, including John Adams, Thomas Jefferson, James Madison, and James Monroe. Most noteworthy, however, were the appearances of George Washington. For over two centuries, Gadsby's Tavern has become known for hosting an annual celebration to honor the nation's first president, a celebration Washington attended himself twice. But while Gadsby's Tavern continues to be celebrated for its significance in early American history, many who visit today do so for another reason. You see, as author Michael Lee Pope claims in his book, Ghosts of Alexandria, this was the setting for Alexandria's most notorious ghost story, the legend of the female stranger. folks have claimed that the spirit of a young woman continues to haunt the historic tavern after her life came to a tragic end over 200 years ago. It is a woman whose grave has been marked by one of the most notorious headstones in Alexandria, acknowledging the mystery that surrounded her in life and now in death. My name is Brandon Schecksneider, and you are listening to Southern Gothic. In the autumn of 1816, a mysterious young Englishman arrived at the port of Alexandria with a beautiful young woman whom he claimed to be his wife. Unfortunately, this woman was incredibly ill, and so the gentleman rented a room at Gadsby's Tavern where, with the assistance of Mrs. John Wise and Mrs. James Stewart, he attempted to nurse her back to health. At the man's behest, they kept to the utmost secrecy, and the couple isolated themselves at the tavern in room number eight, hiding their identities with such vigor that when the woman's condition took a turn for the worse and Dr. Samuel Richards was called for assistance, the physician was paid extra on the condition of anonymity. Yet nothing that Dr. Richards did could save the poor woman. And on October 14th, 1816, she passed away in room number eight. In order to finance his wife's burial, the Englishman borrowed a significant amount of money from a local merchant named Lawrence Hill. And in exchange, he gave Hill a note from the Bank of England. The gentleman then paid $1,500 for his wife to be laid to rest in the cemetery of St. Paul's Episcopal Church, a sum that today amounts to approximately $23,000. And once that was done, the man disappeared just as quickly and suspiciously 
as he arrived. To this day, the identity of that young couple remains a mystery, but while the Englishman may have skipped town over two centuries ago, the woman's grave is still there at St. Paul's, marked by an elaborate tabletop tombstone engraved with an inscription that has fascinated generations of visitors and cemented the tale into lore as one of Alexandria's most infamous. And y'all, I bet you'll understand why when you hear what's on that headstone. It's the memory of a female stranger whose mortal sufferings terminated on the 14th day of October, 1816, aged 23 years and eight months. This stone is placed here by her disconsolate husband in whose arms she sighed out her last breath and who under God did his utmost even to soothe the cold dead ear of death. How loved, how valued once avails thee, not to whom related or by whom begot. A heap of dust alone remains of thee. Tis all thou art and all the proud shall be. To him gave all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. The final line of the inscription is a direct quote of the Bible's 43rd verse of Acts chapter 10, and the second stanza was adapted from one of the English writer Alexander Pope's most memorable works, Elegy to the Memory of an Unfortunate Lady. This poem, which was published in 1717, describes a woman who committed suicide as a result of heartbreak and was then buried in an unmarked grave in a foreign land. Originally, the female stranger's resting place was also surrounded by an iron railing, another feature drawing attention to her, but this was stolen sometime around the early 20th century. Yet the headstone is still there perpetuating that legend after all of this time. Of course, the epitaph on the tomb doesn't really have much concrete information for the curious visitor, so local lore has done what it always does. And the more time that has passed, the more the legend has grown. In March of 1834, two decades after the death of that beautiful young woman, the story made its way into the papers for the first time when the Alexandria Gazette published a romantic poem written by Susan Rigby Dollam Morgan that was inspired by her visit to St. Paul's graveyard. The day was mild, the air serene, and spring had clothed the fields with green when I the city fled, to wander far beyond its den in all the busy haunts of sin and commune with the dead. A grove of cedars tall and dark my roving eye did first remark, and as I nearer drew, I thought to ask the owner's name, but ere I could the question frame, two graveyards met my view. Once I approached, and many a tomb arose amidst the place of gloom to tell the sleeper's name. A child here sleeps, a parent there, some died of age, some young and fair, and all a tear did claim. But one above the rest appeared, by careful hands a parent reared, which iron rails enclosed. 
I nearer drew towards that place, and I the epitaph might trace and tell who there reposed. The tomb was marble, round it grew young trees, but worn and leafless too, and looking much like woe. From all the other graves apart, this seemed of some sad broken heart, the last retreat below. Beneath a female stranger slept, no record of her name was kept upon the marble leaf. The inscription no account supplied, save this, a tenant lived and died and was a child of grief. Her days were numbered there, tis true, but they were briefly told and few, and as their sum I cast. My fancy swiftly wandered back to the dark scenes of life's worn track through which perchance she passed. But no fiducial proof could I from wild conjectures fields supply to cast on truth one ray. And with a sympathizing breast, I left the stranger's place of rest, that dreamless bed of clay. Sleep, stranger, sleep, may none presume with impious hand to raise thy tomb, or which dark mystery waves, and throws an interest in thy lot, which seems to concentrate the spot and from oblivion saves. My fancy oft shall hover frowned, the silent, grassy, nameless mound, the female stranger's tomb. And in the morn that wakes the just, I hope to see thy sleeping dust arise in glorious bloom. Morgan was clearly enamored by the tomb of the female stranger and the story that went with it. So much so that two years later, in 1836, she brought it out to a national audience in a column she wrote for the Philadelphia Saturday Courier under the pseudonym Lucy Seymour. For the most part, what she reported was what is now considered the traditional telling of the tale. A mysterious man arrives with a wife who was deathly ill. But Morgan also added the fact that many of the locals claimed to have found the young man disingenuous, and they had a feeling that the man might not actually have been the woman's husband. This suspicion actually seemed to be warranted as well, because in 1848, the legend made an appearance in a number of newspapers all across the country, from New Orleans and Atlanta to Chicago and Baltimore. And in response to some of the inaccuracies that made its way into this national reporting, the Alexandria Gazette published an article on September 15, 1848, written by an individual who, quote, distinctly recollects the two distinguished strangers who visited Alexandria about the time mentioned. That's right, this article was written by someone who remembers when the events actually happened. And he goes on to claim that everyone knew the gentleman's name. It was Claremont. And Claremont was, quote, a remarkably genteel-looking, affable man, and in company was esteemed for his social qualities and conversational powers. But y'all, as you can expect from a pretty man with a charming personality who shrouded himself in so much mystery and disappeared as quickly as he came, Claremont turned out to be a crook a fact discovered by the man who lent him money, Lawrence Hill, who eventually caught up to him while visiting New York when he discovered that Claremont had been imprisoned at the Sing Sing prison for none other than forgery. 
Arriving at the prison, he was soon ushered into the presence of the genteel and polished Mr. Claremont, whom he found with a shaved head and busily employed in making shoes. After a little preliminary conversation, the merchant said, Mr. Claremont, the bills which you gave me were all returned protested, and your conduct is most inexplicable. The convict coolly replied, Ah, indeed. Well, it was probably owing to some informality, and it will give me pleasure to furnish you with others in their stead. Unfortunately, this was the last that anyone ever heard from Claremont. And as you might expect, Lawrence Hill was never repaid for that fraudulent bill from the Bank of England. But what is most interesting of all about this article and the encounter is if this was in fact the Englishman who arrived in the port of Alexandria in the autumn of 1816, why didn't they ask him who the woman who accompanied him actually was? Y'all, I'll be honest, I've always wanted to be one of those weekly meal prep people so that I could be more productive on work days and eat healthier during the week, but for some reason, that just ain't me. Fortunately, I found an alternative, Factor. Factor delivers delicious, ready-to-eat, pre-prepared, chef-crafted meals right to your door, making eating better easier than it has ever been. They've got over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan and veggie, and more. And while they do kind of look like those TV dinners you get in the freezer aisle, Factor meals are far from it. They are absolutely fresh. It's upscale dining with no prep and no mess, and they're 100% ready to heat and eat when it's time to dine. But it ain't just meals. Factor's also got over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons, like protein shakes, juices, and breakfast bundles. So y'all, what are you waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Head to factormeals.com slash southerngothic50 and use code southerngothic50 to get 50% off. That's code southerngothic50 at factormeals.com slash southerngothic50 to get 50% off. If you're one of those people like me who enjoys playing games on your phone in your downtime rather than scrolling through social media, well, then I need to tell you about a game I just downloaded last week called Seeker's Notes. It's a classic hidden object game filled with mysteries, secrets, and curious crimes, all with some gorgeous graphics. That's right. Each scene in Seeker's Notes is not just a setting. It's a doorway into a post-Victorian world with intricate design and an authentic atmosphere inviting you to lose yourself in a world of historical elegance and sophistication. From rare artifacts to mysterious jewels, each virtual collectible is a piece of the game's narrative puzzle. You'll collect, display, and unravel the secrets behind these treasures, adding a layer of excitement and accomplishment to your Seeker's Notes adventure. Best of all, though, this game is totally free. It's got no annoying ads, and y'all, as a parent who's frequently stuck in my car waiting on kids, you don't need Wi-Fi to play it. So whenever you need a break from your day, you need to try Seeker's Notes. Download Seeker's Notes now for free. Seeker's Notes. 
For years, the legend of the female stranger has captivated folks, fueled by much speculation as to who she might have been, a mystery made even more intriguing by the notorious headstone accompanying her grave. Some claim that the woman may have been a Napoleonic princess who fled her country out of fear over the political conditions in France. Others that the couple were notorious con artists who worked their way up and down the port cities of the eastern seaboard. On June 2, 1898, Washington, D.C.'s Evening Star added to the mystery, reporting that an elderly couple had recently visited Alexandria to pay their respects to the female stranger, who the woman claimed was a relative of hers. Saturday last, a lady and gentleman visited St. Paul's Cemetery, where the female stranger's remains are interred, and inquired of Superintendent Emanuel Webb in regard to the tomb. The lady stated that the stranger was a connection of hers, and that she was the wife of a British officer who had married her in opposition to the wishes of his family. The officer and his wife never returned to England, but he left Alexandria after the burial of his wife and went to France. The lady informed Superintendent Webb that in the near future, she would return to Alexandria and impart to him a history of the incident. Unfortunately, that elderly lady never returned, and to this day, none of the purported facts that she told Superintendent Webb have been corroborated. Of course, of the many theories, the one that has received the most attention was the one that we discussed on our last episode of Southern Gothic, the enduring mystery of Theodosia Burr Alston. On December 31st, 1812, almost four years before the mysterious couple arrived in Alexandria, Theodosia Burr Alston left Georgetown, South Carolina on a ship named Patriot headed for New York to see her father, the former Vice President Aaron Burr. The schooner was known for its speed, and during the War of 1812, it had been commissioned as a privateer vessel by the United States government. Following its service, the Patriot was refitted for civilian activities, and this trip was its first in this capacity. But unfortunately, after leaving port with Theodosia, it was never seen again, and no sign of the Patriot or anyone aboard has ever been recovered. Now, as we discussed in that episode, many have speculated that the ship was captured by pirates, fueling the possibility that Alston could have in fact survived and ended up in Alexandria years later. But as you now know, it's much more likely that the ship was caught in a vicious storm that had developed off the coast of South Carolina only days after its departure. Yet, the legend persists. This suggestion as to Theodosia being the female stranger was first made public in September of 1866 in an article published in a number of newspapers all across the country titled, An Old Virginia Town by Frank George Carpenter. But while this is certainly a romantic theory, there's an even more wild tale than that and it comes from a book published back in 1866 
under the title, History of Alexandria, including the narrative of John Trust. And the Alexandria Gazette described it as a, quote, weird but clever and interesting little book that relied more on romantic language and intrigue than fact itself. The work contends that the woman buried in St. Paul's was an orphaned woman named Blanche Forden, who was adopted and raised by John Trust and John Rowe after fleeing Paris for Martinique. In the process, a romantic relationship developed between Trust and the woman, and Rowe became jealous. So he purportedly cast a spell on the girl and whisked her off to America on a ship headed for Alexandria, marrying her on the way. Well, what followed was a tragic account that included a confrontation between the men who were then revealed to be twin brothers. Now y'all, as the Alexandria Gazette claimed, the historical accuracy of this story is pretty dubious, but its fanciful claim is that the female stranger was buried anonymously to spare her the shame of the stigma of incest. While we'll never actually know the identity of the female stranger, some have claimed that her spirit remains alive and well in Old Town Alexandria. Gatsby's Tavern seems to be the spot where most claim to see her, as a multitude of purported sightings have come from folks walking by who have said that they saw her apparition through the window of room number eight, where her life came to its tragic end. Visitors to the tavern have also claimed encounters within the building itself, and they always seem to describe her apparition as appearing in antiquated clothing and holding a candle. L.B. Taylor Jr., author of over two dozen books on Virginia ghost stories, wrote of such an encounter in his 2009 work, Haunted Virginia, Ghosts and Strange Phenomena of the Old Dominion. The mysterious woman's most notable appearance came one evening a few years ago when a man said he saw her in the tavern ballroom. He followed her upstairs to what had been her bedroom where she disappeared. It was dark, but in the corner of the room was a lit candle in a hurricane lamp. He picked it up and searched the premises, but found nothing. Then it dawned on him, what was a lit candle doing in the deserted room? He raced downstairs and got the tavern manager to go back up with him. When they got there, not only was the candle not lit, but the wick was still wet, as if it had never been lit. The manager thought the man either was setting things or had imbibed too much that night. As he left the room, the man who had witnessed the apparition felt the lamp and burned his fingers. Taylor's account of the spirit of the female stranger is a common one, but Alexandria-based author and journalist Michael Lee Pope wrote about what he believes is the most chilling sighting of all in his book, Ghosts of Alexandria. Sometimes the shadowy figures appeared and disappeared. At other times, strange noises were heard in the middle of the night. 
The most notorious ghost sighting happened during one of the balls that take place each year in a historic ballroom where George Washington once celebrated his last birthday in 1799. This was one of those events where people get dressed up as they did in Washington's day and eat all of Washington's favorite foods and do Washington's favorite dances. Suddenly, one man saw a woman who looked a little out of place. She was not wearing the kind of clothing that a woman might wear in the 18th century. She was wearing the clothing that a woman might wear in the early 1800s. About the time the female stranger died in room number eight. Today, the historic Gadsby's Tavern continues to not only serve as a restaurant, but is also operated as the Gadsby's Tavern Museum under the ownership of the city of Alexandria. After falling into disrepair in the early 20th century, the fate of the building was in question, but numerous organizations have played a role in renovating the historic property, and as a result, it was placed on the National Register of Historic Places in 1975. But as for whether or not the spirit of that mysterious woman is still there in room number eight, well, that's up for you to visit and decide. My name is Brandon Schecksnyder, and you've been listening to Southern Gothic. Southern Gothic is an independent podcast produced by Southern Gothic Media. This episode was originally researched and written by Brianne Schecksnyder and updated by Brandon Schecksnyder. Of course, if you're a fan of the show but are tired of those pesky commercials, there are now ad-free versions available on all of your favorite apps. Just visit southerngothicmedia.com listen. And y'all, as always, thanks for listening. Lucky Lady Shacks. Y'all, my friends Howard and Jessica of Plotting Through the Presidents have just started their new season, and you need to go check it out. The first episode is called The John Adams Diet. And no, before you get any ideas, this ain't a health podcast based on the eating habits of our nation's leaders. It is a deeply researched, albeit humorous, storytelling show that explores the lesser-known tales of the early presidents, the founders, and even their families. From the real reason Alexander Hamilton and John Adams hated each other to the truth behind Ben Franklin's naughty reputation. They've even covered stuff as wild as the story of John Quincy Adams and the Mole People to Winston Churchill's nude White House encounter with the ghost of Abraham Lincoln. And of course, the Bell Witch makes an appearance when they're talking about Old Hickory. So y'all, Go follow Plodding Through the Presidents to plot along with Howard and Jess and check out plodpod.com for links to your favorite podcast app and, of course, to dive into their past bingeable seasons. That's plodpod.com.